welcome to the EAU podcast. In this edition, we have Dr. Sashin Malda, a member of the EAU Guidelines Panel for Male Lutz, discussing emerging and minimally invasive treatments for benign prostatic obstruction, the current status and future challenges. Surgical treatment is one of the cornerstones for managing men with benign prostatic obstruction. Can you tell us a bit about the surgical options? Surgical intervention is generally thought to be appropriate, firstly, for men who have bothersome lower urinary tract symptoms due to benign prostatic obstruction, where behavioural and pharmacological therapies have been ineffective, where patients cannot tolerate pharmacological therapies due to adverse effects, or in those who do not wish to take long-term medications. And secondly, for men with the traditional absolute indications for surgery, such as urinary retention and renal failure, secondary to benign prostatic obstruction. The surgical options have traditionally comprised transurethral incision of the prostate, transurethral resection of the prostate, or open prostatectomy, depending on the size of the prostate. And in fact, these were the only three recommended surgical approaches in the first EAU guideline on BPH 20 years ago. Uh, But over the last decade, advances in technology have led to the development of several novel and minimally invasive interventional treatments with the aim of reducing morbidity, complications and length of hospitalisation compared to the current standard of care, TURP. And this is reflected in the latest 2021 EAU guideline on non-neurogenic male LUTs in which 20 different interventional procedures are now included. So as a result of the number of different technologies now available, the 2021 guideline has now been restructured to reflect surgical approach rather than specific technologies. And so it's now divided into five sections, resection procedures, enucleation procedures, vaporization procedures, alternative ablative techniques, and non-ablative techniques. Resection techniques refer to the piecemeal removal of prostate tissue. Monopolar and bipolar TURP are the most commonly performed, but also laser resection techniques with holmium or thulium laser can be used. Enucleation involves the removal of the entire obstructing prostatic adenoma using endoscopic enucleation techniques with laser or bipolar, and also open and minimally invasive, uh, laparoscopic or robot-assisted, simple prostatectomy. Vaporization of prostate tissue can be performed using bipolar or laser techniques, Uh, but it's the alternative ablative and non-ablative techniques of water jet ablation, prostate artery embolization, convective water vapor energy ablation, uh, prostatic urethral lift, and the temporary implantable nitinol device which have developed over the past several years and for which there has been increasing evidence and interest. Can you tell us more about the EAU guideline recommendations about the newer surgical treatments for benign prosthetic obstruction? There are five alternative interventional treatments included in the EAU guidelines, namely uh, aquablation, which is convective uh, water jet ablation, prostate artery embolization, Uh, convective water vapor energy ablation or resume, uh, prostatic urethral lift or urolift, and the temporary implantable nitinol device or ITIN.
All of these are deemed to be treatments under investigation at present except for Eurolift. The ablative techniques result in ablation of prostatic tissue using different modalities. Aquablation uses a transrectal, ultrasound-guided, robotic-assisted, high-velocity saline stream to ablate prostate glandular tissue based on the principle of hydrodissection without generating any thermal energy. The evidence comes from uh, a key randomized controlled trial comparing aquablation to TURP, the water trial, which has shown equivalent short-term efficacy, but some concerns about post-treatment hemostasis. Prostate artery embolization is a minimally invasive interventional radiological procedure in which occlusion of the prostate arteries results in ischemic necrosis of the prostate gland, thereby reducing its size. There have been three randomized controlled trials comparing prostate artery embolization to TURP, showing that although not as effective as TURP in improving symptoms or flow rate, it is a minimally invasive procedure with good periprocedural safety profile and low hospitalization and catheterization times. Convective water vapor uh, energy, or resume, utilizes convective radiofrequency water vapor thermal therapy to ablate prostate tissue. There has been one short-term randomized trial comparing resume to sham treatment, demonstrating the efficacy and safety of this treatment with very low rates of sexual dysfunction. However, longer-term randomized data and randomized trials against TURP or another surgical technique are still awaited. The non-ablative techniques rely on mechanical manipulation of the obstructing prostatic lobes to improve symptoms. Prostatic urethral lift or urolift involves utilizing permanent implants consisting of two nitinol stainless steel anchors connected together by a suture to compress the obstructing lateral prostatic lobes causing tissue retraction and subsequently mechanical urethral expansion without tissue ablation. The EAU guidelines recommend that this treatment can be offered to men who are interested in preserving ejaculatory function for prostates less than 70 grams in volume and no middle lobe. This is based on evidence from two pivotal randomized controlled trials, one comparing prostatic urethral lift to sham with five-year follow-up showing improvement in IPSS scores, Qmax and quality of life with minimal sexual side effects, and the other comparing prostatic urethral lift to TURP with 24-month follow-up showing that although improvements in IPSS and QMAX were not as good as with TURP, quality of life was equivalent and prostatic urethral lift had no ejaculatory dysfunction. These studies were for patients with prostate volumes less than 80 grams and with no middle lobe, uh, and hence the EAU recommendation. Although there is some evidence that middle lobes may be effectively treated, the data is still limited, and so, as with all techniques, this is an evolving area. A strength of the EAU guideline process is that there is a yearly structured literature review for any new evidence. Uh, the strength of this evidence is then evaluated by the entire panel and a decision made as to whether any of the recommendations should be changed. What criteria do the guidelines panel use to make a recommendation about a particular treatment? Over the past 30 years, 
there have been several new technologies that have been developed and widely used to treat lower urinary tract symptoms due to benign prostatic enlargement, which have later proved to be ineffective or even harmful, and therefore haven't stood the test of time. Good examples of this include transurethral balloon dilatation, transurethral needle ablation, and intraprostatic injections of chemicals such as botulinum toxin A, which have all been shown to be ineffective as higher quality evidence has been produced. And whilst patients are often eager for treatments which are less invasive with fewer complications, it is important that the guideline recommendations are based on high quality clinical evidence to ensure that patients are receiving well-studied, safe and effective interventions. And so studies must be high quality. They should be compared against a sham treatment or other suitable surgical comparator. And the outcomes measured should be relevant and important to patients. Ideally, these randomized trials should be multi-center studies with several surgeons to confirm reproducibility of the technique and with a broad patient population that allows generalizability of the results. Furthermore, the results should evaluate long-term outcomes which the guideline panel have considered to be of longer than three-year follow-up. This is the ideal, and the majority of trials on minimally invasive treatments do not meet this threshold. So there needs to be a way to assess how certain we can be with the outcomes reported from these studies. And the EAU guideline literature review process utilizes the GRADE approach. That's the grading of recommendations, assessment, development, and evaluation approach to determine the quality of the entire body of evidence. This incorporates various factors, including risk of bias, inconsistency, imprecision, indirectness, publication bias, and magnitude of effect, and leads to either a strong or weak recommendation for or against a particular intervention. Most importantly, this process utilized by the guideline group not only assesses the benefits and harms of treatment, but also incorporates patients' values and preferences to inform the recommendations. Are there any future developments that you think will help to strengthen the recommendations made by the EAU guidelines in this area? In this field of benign urology, where improvements in quality of life are the principal aim, understanding patients' values and preferences for treatment are crucial. The recent development of so many minimally invasive treatments has increased patients' options, and so it is even more important to incorporate patients' values and preferences into treatment decisions. And this is one key area where the EAU guidelines are innovating. The modified grade approach, as discussed earlier, requires a judgment to be made about how patients would value certain treatments or outcomes and how acceptable an intervention is perceived to be, to create trustworthy guideline recommendations. In addition to this, however, the EAU guideline panel will also be having at least one patient representative as a non-medical member of the panel to represent the broad interests and preferences of the wider patient population. This will add substantial value not only to developing guidelines with recommendations that are relevant and important to patients, but also in the wider dissemination and implementation of guideline recommendations. This will therefore hopefully lead to less variation in care across different regions 
and allowing patients to receive the best evidence-based treatments. Thank you for joining Dr. Mulder for this episode of EAU Podcast on Emerging and Minimally Invasive Treatments for Benign Prostatic Obstruction. For further information on the EAU guidelines on male LUTs, please visit our website www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EAU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.